Among the real joys that children bring to life are the opportunities to share with them in the discovery of the wonders of creation. Just a few days ago I was meeting my newest grandchild who has only recently arrived into this world and although just over a week old he's still rather too young to appreciate the the intricacies and the complexities of the world around him. His two older sisters are learning that not only did God make all the flowers, but he did so in lots of different colours, so that they would look pretty, to say nothing of all the animals, some of which don't look particularly pretty at all. Well, we haven't yet discussed matters of photosynthesis or cellular respiration, but they may come in time, and besides that, they are jolly long words. But the thing is, the thing is that nature tells us lots about God and about his creativity, and so often provides us with opportunities to talk about him. Now, it's true that creation doesn't actually say made by God as if he had had that stamped on every leaf, but it does lead us to that belief. The idea that it simply came into being all by itself is really simply nonsense, as is the idea that in the beginning there was nothing and then it went bang. Either everything that ever there was or is within this physical universe has always existed in some form or another, or it was brought into existence by a being who transcends all that we can see or hear or smell or touch. So when we repeatedly ask the question, and where did that come from in our biology classes, we'll eventually come to the point when we'll hear, we don't know. You might want to follow the science, as they say, but science doesn't have all the answers. On the other hand, the Bible begins with the answer to that question by telling us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He has always been, he always is, and so he was there in the beginning. And knowing that the one who created all things is the one revealed to us in Scripture as God, we learn about him not only through the Scriptures, but also through the things that he has made. David tells us in the Psalms that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork.
And so it is that when we look at the heavens above and the stars and the skies and all of the wonders of creation, we are seeing the handiwork of God. We are watching them declare to us his glory. And when we talk to our children or our grandchildren about the flowers and the trees and the birds and the beautiful things we see all around us, we'll tell them that God made them all and that he did that because he loves us and he's also jolly clever and he's the best artist that ever there was. Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, he made their glowing colours, he made their tiny wings. The cold wind in the winter, the pleasant summer sun, the ripe fruits in the garden. He made them every one. He gave us eyes to see them and lips that we might tell how great is God Almighty who has made all things well. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. You know, that used to be my favourite hymn in years gone by, and I was almost tempted to sing it for you, but what a delightful little number it is. Over the past few weeks, not only have I uh, been blessed to uh, uh, witness the arrival, or at least the uh, not long after the arrival of my uh, uh, latest grandchild, but I've also been to a couple of funerals, both very different occasions. That is, both of the funerals were very different occasions, but there's always plenty to think about for those who were present at such events. Well, the first was for a much-respected schoolmaster who had been a great influence in my more formative years. And the second was for a friend, a dear sister in Christ, north of the border. I suppose at funerals there are often thoughts of whose turn will it be next, or... I'm having that hymn at my funeral, which incidentally was the case at the first funeral where we sang both The Lord's My Shepherd and also Jerusalem. But our thoughts are generally directed towards what comes next. I mean, after thinking about the life of the one who has just passed, our thoughts are directed towards what 
comes next and we're often reminded that Jesus spoke of going to prepare a place for us so that where he is we may be also. We speak and we sing of heaven although we don't really have much of a clue as to what it will be like. Ideas of floating on clouds whilst playing melodic harps come to some people's minds, but that hardly sounds terribly exciting. And streets paved with gold would surely be somewhat tricky in more wet weather, not to mention the ghastly thoughts of silver-lined golden mansions. No, the thing is... The thing is, we really have much less of a clue about the practicalities of heaven than a four-year-old has concerning matters of photosynthesis or cellular respiration. All the pictures that we might have of heaven are of necessity dependent upon our own experiences in this present physical realm. We simply don't have the words nor the concepts to even begin to explain or understand the actualities of what lies beyond this life. It will quite simply, and it will be quite literally, out of this world. Well, having said all of that, Whatever we might think of the appearance or the activities of heaven, we can be quite certain that in reality they will be exceedingly better than anything we can begin to imagine. And I guarantee this, we absolutely will not be in any way disappointed. Of course we won't. We can always, I mean absolutely certainly always, be completely sure that the best really is always yet to come, and that the best far exceeds even our greatest anticipations. It's probably best to think of heaven in terms of not so much being in a certain place, but of being with a certain person, as it were. Heaven is primarily about being with God in the very presence of the Creator himself. For we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as we often sing in that psalm. And I do rather get the idea that when the time comes, and when we first experience what lies beyond this physical realm, we will be absolutely gobsmacked. Uh, if you'll excuse me for using such a uh, deeply theological term, we might look back to our current uh, understanding and think then how we really didn't have a clue. 
like little children, trying to make sense of the world in which we live. We try to make sense of what lies ahead, but we don't have the ability to even begin to properly understand these things. But we know, we know that if we have walked with Jesus, we shall not be disappointed. We know that he has gone on before, as it were, so all will be well. We know that we will be with our Father in heaven, so what could possibly go wrong? We may not have a clue as to what lies ahead, but we have every confidence in the one who is there. But don't ever let any of that stop us from wondering, from contemplating. Don't ever stop thinking of what is yet to come. When Paul, uh, the apostle, the great Christian teacher and writer of the first century, when he wrote his letter to the believers in Ephesus. He spoke of the, the heavenly realms or the heavenly places, as some versions render the phrase. And he uses this phrase several times in this one letter and nowhere else in any of his writings, suggesting that it was key to what he was wanting to say in this particular letter. And this letter, the letter of Paul to the believers in Ephesus, more than any other that he wrote, encourages us to open the eyes of our hearts, to, 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 to see things which cannot be seen, and to know things which cannot be known. And it is in these heavenly realms where those in Christ have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And it is in these heavenly realms where we are seated with Christ, even now. I mean, isn't that amazing? Sometimes we hear talk of eternal life as being something which is yet to come, something yet in the future. And though there, there is a sense in which we are yet to enter into the fullness of life, life with God, eternal life, it is a, a present reality for those who walk in Christ today. Later, John, one of those who followed Jesus whilst he lived on earth and who became a great leader of the people of God. Later he was to, to write this. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. 
This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. And then he'll go on to write that this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Well, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. This is a, this is a present reality. When Jesus prayed to his Father shortly before he was arrested and sentenced to death, he said that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So to know God is to, to have life. This is the, the very essence of eternal life. And so real is this life, even here and now, that when our physical lives come to an end, which one day they will, in reality we will not die. For we truly dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that dwelling is a present reality, seated as we are now with Christ in the heavenly realms. And I understand that it doesn't always seem to be that way. But that is why we must pray to God to open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see that which cannot be seen. And the more we are able to see things from an eternal perspective, through the eyes of God, as it were, the more we're able to do that, the more we see the temporal nature of this physical realm in which we currently and physically reside. But this world is not our home. We are made for grander things. We're made for realms invisible to human eyes, for places we cannot even begin to imagine in our present state. I mean, isn't that absolutely amazing? As as a child learns to see that the beauty with which we are surrounded was made by hands we cannot see. So we are learning to look beyond what we can see to all that lies beyond. And if the beauties of this world cause us to wonder of the one who made us, 
So that same awe and wonder lead us to contemplate yet greater glory that is to come. In the words of the 1974 hit from Bachman-Turner Overdrive, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> and we really haven't. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And when Paul wrote those words, which he did to the believers in Corinth, when Paul wrote those words, he was contemplating the so-called wisdom of the rulers of this age, who really don't have a clue. You know, their wisdom is mere foolishness compared with the wisdom of God, a wisdom which is both secret and, and hidden, known only by the Spirit of God and by those who live by and have been taught by the Spirit himself. And at a time such as this, when the world seems to be filled with so much insecurity and uncertainty, and when the leaders of the nations conspire in all kinds of different ways, let us learn to see things with the mind of Christ. And let us never forget, regardless of whatever circumstances we might be facing, let us never forget that the best is always yet to come. May the God of all wonder and all wisdom bless us with a growing understanding of his ways. May we see his hand at work in all that is around us. May he open the eyes of our hearts that we may see things which cannot be seen. And may he draw us ever closer into his presence as we grow to know him more fully day by day. And may he give us life in all its fullness as we walk daily with Jesus. May our Father, the Father of all mercies, bless us abundantly, that we might be a, a blessing to those around us. And may he always give us his peace. Thank you.